privilege of watching a movie that I have never seen before and I don't know why just before I came in here and fired up the gear I finished watching a movie called the Alamo 2004 movie not the John Wayne movie let me tell you something if you're a war movie buff like myself you'll definitely want to check that out I don't know why I'd not heard of this movie. If I had heard of it, I just hadn't watched it before. But my gosh, what a good movie. And according to... Well, actually, let's just pull it up here on Wikipedia. Because we all know Wikipedia is so trustworthy, right? The Alamo, according to Wikipedia, bombed at the box office. It says here that they lost the studio over $146 million. I have no idea why, and I'm not saying that sarcastically at all. The Alamo with Billy Bob Thornton, Dennis Quaid, uh, Patrick Wilson is also in that. Let me tell you something. If you ever get the chance to watch it, absolutely do yourself a favor and watch it. Normally, one would think when you see a movie that is about the Alamo, it's not going to have a happy ending. But it surprisingly does have a fairly satisfying ending because uh, Santa Ana did, as we all know, wind up getting his tail whipped just a little bit. So I urge you, if you're a war movie fan, check out The Alamo. And this is nothing against John Wayne, but don't get it confused with the John Wayne movie, The Alamo, which I think was done in 1960. I have not had the chance to watch that, so therefore I cannot vouch for it. However... I do know that most movies done before 1980, I can't really get into. As much as I like John Wayne, movie making after 1980 just got better. With, the, with, with some exceptions. Now, that is not a hard and set rule. As we all know, The Godfather came out in 1972, and that movie is phenomenal. But it seems to be the exception to the rule, in my opinion. Now... I was born in 92, so obviously I didn't grow up with a lot of these movies. So maybe somebody has, you know, if you grew up watching the movies from the 60s and 70s, they would probably have more of an effect on you. And that's fine. You'd have a greater appreciation for them. And I understand that 100%. But I usually just can't get into it. And I think for me, it's weird because and I think I've talked about this before. I think for me, it's because the quality, the production quality, whatever you want to call it, the technology, there's what I'm looking for. The technology back then just wasn't up to par, in my opinion. Now, see, this is where I differ. A lot of people enjoy the, the, the flaws of early technology, whether it be in music or in film, things like that. I'm not a purist. I'm not a purist when it comes to movies and film. If you have to put that sucker through 17 computers to make King Kong look real, I expect you to do so. <laughs> I, I want it as computerized as possible. <laughs> I love technology. To a certain point, Elon Musk with your Neuralink 
can get the heck out of here. Don't be sticking that stuff in my head. But what I'm saying is, like, with, okay, let's let's talk about music production here for a little bit. If anybody knows me, you know that I love to record music, and I have a you know I record music in a small home studio. I don't have anything fancy. These are things that pretty much anybody could get. But the capabilities that come with home studio software now is beyond what I was able to imagine. Now, I'm not kidding. I'm not just saying that as a cliche. It honestly was above what I was able to imagine. I'll give you a for instance. In my recording software, I can go in and record the drums or the bass on a song. And I have a new song just about to come out. It's a cover, actually, but I'll let you guys know when it's out. So I can go in and record the drums or the bass or whatever. And if I'm out of time on the drums, if I'm off beat, which happens quite frequently, especially for me, but a lot of people have that happen to them as well because it's, it's human. It's human error, and that happens. I can run a feature in my studio software that will then take those drums stretch the notes to where you wouldn't notice it, but it stretches notes out, rearranges some things to where those drums are in time. And it's flat out amazing, and it takes all the work out of it, and I've been having a ball with it lately. So hopefully that means you'll be seeing a lot more music coming out in the future, which actually is the reason I started this podcast. One of the main reasons I started this podcast was to promote my music my music, the music of the people that I hang out with, because it's not always just me. So hopefully you'll see some more of that in the future. But anyways, back to my original point. Watch the Alamo if you get the chance. The Alamo's good. Gettysburg is by, I, I, I would say, probably by far, my best historical war movie. My, my favorite uh, war movie. The Patriot is a close second, sometimes first. I love movies about historical, you know, uh, sessions of war, <laughs> whatever you want to call it. That's a really weird way to describe it, but I love movies like that. The Alamo and Gettysburg and, of course, The Patriot are on my list if you're looking for any recommendations. All right, let's talk about something here. I'm sure if you've been watching the news lately, everybody has seen, if you've been watching the news any at all, for the past, what, 30 years? that Haiti is in shambles and continues to stay that way. And I'm also sure if you've watched the news much at all over the past few weeks, you have seen that there are 17 missionaries that have been kidnapped in Haiti. I'm guessing that most of you that are listening to me right now listened to the episode that we recorded with David Iker, and he got into some things, some pretty raw topics about child sexual abuse that happens in a lot of fundamentalist churches. If you listen to that, you will recognize the name Christian Aid Ministries, or CAM. That was one of the outfits that David talked about that's had some trouble in the past. I want to say something very, very clearly. I wish nothing but the best for these people, for these missionaries that are being held captive right now in Haiti. I pray for your safe return. I sincerely wish you all the best. I buy by no means do I hold you accountable for what leadership may or may not have done or what some rogue missionary did to kids. 
I just wanted to put that out there. So I'm praying for the return. I wish them all the best. And just because I severely disagree with your organization does not mean that I wish harm on the individual missionaries that are there. So I'm hoping for a, I'm hoping for some good news on this thing. Actually, let's, let's just pull up some videos here. Let's see what the news is reporting on this. Because it seems to me that it's a lot more interesting for me to play audio clips than for me to sit here and read you a news article. So let's see what we can find here. Here's one from ABC News. It is now day 11 since the abduction of 16 Americans and one Canadian missionary working in Haiti. The group that they were with working for Christian Aid Ministries is planning a day of special prayer and fasting tomorrow as the efforts for their release continue. And tonight we are joined by Carlton Horst, a friend of one of the families kidnapped there. Thank you so much, Carlton, for joining us. What I know has to be a really difficult time. You know, I would have to be really, really sure that God wanted me to go to Haiti. That place has a freaking history, man, of just going to, sh going to shambles. You know, it's a third world country, this, this kind of stuff. You know, a lot of them, most of them, I would say, I think I'm safe in saying most third world countries, have a tendency to go that direction. I'd have to be really, really certain God wanted me in Haiti before I would go. Yes, thank you, Lindsay. And um, it is a difficult time for our community and for our church together. But um, we're just trusting God that God will work everything out for the good of God's kingdom through all of this. And so we just um, pray to that end as well. Five members of one family, a mother and four children, were part of that group that was kidnapped. They attend, attend the same Dunkard Brethren Church in Hart, Michigan, that you do. I know that you're not identifying them to help with their safety. But what can you tell us about the family and how your community is responding to their kidnapping? Yes, as far as the family is concerned, um, they've been one who has uh, who's been very quick to be able to help in times of need, wherever it may be, whether it's on a local level or a different state. And I'm going to stop it for a minute. I cannot imagine the terror that these missionaries must be going through right now to be not only to be kidnapped. It'd be bad enough to be kidnapped here, but to be kidnapped in a foreign country, especially a place like Haiti. I get I'm not going to lie to you. I get nervous even just traveling outside of the state of West Virginia. There's different times I'll go to Indiana and I'll go out there to see Canaan and Mariah. Outside of that, I don't usually leave the state very often at all. But even just being outside of West Virginia, I get nervous. So I cannot imagine being in a place like Haiti and having something like this happen to you. My soul. Um, and even if they've been called to another country to help in another country with something of work that needs to be done, um, whether it's cleanup efforts. I mean, they're showing some videos right now of Haiti. And this place just looks like a total mess. I mean, St. Louis, when it was burning down and New York City and all that, on their worst day, looks better than what I'm seeing right here. After a major disaster, or simply just to help a friend out who's needing some work to be done. Now, the father in this family was not kidnapped, and he remains in Haiti. What have you heard about how he's coping with all this? Uh, from the sources that I have, um, he's just continued to trust God through it and uh, putting his faith in, in God, knowing that God is going to work things out for God. If anything would test your faith, your faith in the Almighty, that definitely would. I guess these are first world problems that I'm getting ready to talk about, but I know how anxious I get over small things that I'll pray about and talk to the good Lord about. 
how anxious I get about those. And it could be something, and I'm ashamed to say this, it could be something as simple as God help me find my car keys. And I know how anxious I can get over that. I can't imagine what it would take to put your complete and total trust in God for the return of your wife and your children. I hope I never have to go through that. I hope I never do. And I only hope, and I know the man upstairs is listening right now. I'm just being honest. I only hope I would have the faith to go through that. I'd like to think I would, but does any of us really know until we get there? So, you know, that, that brings up some questions. I'm, I'm a believer, and a lot of times, you know, I'll pray for like somebody's healing. And there's been a lot of times that I've prayed for somebody to be healed, and it just hasn't happened. I would say most times. I would say 99% of the time. But I did have a situation the other day, and I, I figure there's no better place to talk about it than here. My mom, my mama has a neighbor, and this lady uh, came down with COVID really bad, and it wasn't looking good. She was older lady, I think in her 70s, um, had a lot of underlying health conditions, and she took COVID, and my first thoughts were, man, this is, this don't look good. This is bad. And I felt so sorry for her husband because he, he would say things about how they had never been separated like this because, of course, she had to go to the hospital and he wasn't allowed to be in there very much at all. And he would say things like, we haven't been separated from each other like this since I was in Vietnam. You know, been married all those years. Man, I just tugs at your heartstrings when you hear that. And I had just watched, prior to this, I just watched the movie War Room, which is another movie that I highly recommend you watch. And that movie talks a lot about your prayer life. And I'm going to be completely honest with you. My prayer life has suffered a lot and has not been and really still is not what it should be. I'll just be completely honest with you. But I watched this movie about people, and it's a fictional account from what I understand, but I so I watched this movie about people getting serious about talking to God, and I thought, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. So I was heading over to play music with my buddy Brian. Brian's a banjo player. I met him at Picking and Parsons, and we've been doing a, a decent amount of jamming lately. Brian's a heck of a banjo player. Very, very good. And I was headed down to play some music with him. He was out camping, and he was about a half hour from my house. So I got in the truck, and normally I turn on a podcast or I, uh, an audio book, sometimes music, and that's, that's normally my ritual when I'm in the truck. i got to have something to listen to. But I just thought this time, I thought, I'm going to try this. It's hard for me to focus. <laughs> Anybody that knows me understands that statement and agrees 100%. Um, I'm an ADHD kind of guy. So it's hard for me to focus to get alone and pray. So I just thought, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to God. And I'm not a man that has a lot of big words. That You know, growing up, I always heard these guys that could pray, and man, did they sound good praying. They could use all these these and thous and talk in a big booming voice, and you know, they could lead a, a church session in prayer. And I'm not like that. I can't do that. I don't have that ability. But I thought, you know, 
Uh, if I believe that God created me, which I do, and I believe he cares for me, which I do, and he listens when I pray, and I see no commandment in Scripture that I have to talk to him as if I'm speaking to a king or the president or even the governor or really even my boss. Because, you know, there's a certain level of respect when you speak to people over top of you. Now, I'm not saying I'm being disrespectful to God. I'm just saying I don't see any commandment where I have to speak to him as if he's royalty. So I thought I'm just going to talk to him just like he knows me because he does. I'm just going to have a conversation with this guy, this um, being that I have a relationship with. And so I drove and I started praying and I began to specifically pray for my mama's neighbor. And the way I put it out there to God was, I don't really know what it's like to have a huge amount of faith, but I do know from what I've read in the Bible that God is all powerful and he can heal somebody if he so desires or if he sees fit. Because in the past when I'd prayed for somebody to be healed or prayed for somebody to not die, because Lord knows when my pap was dying, I prayed like everything. Didn't want him to leave. No, sir. But it didn't work, at least to my expectations. But so in the past, when I've prayed for people, you almost try to get yourself hyped up. Like, yes, yes, I have faith. Yes, yes. You know, <laughs> and I just talked to God this time. And I said, basically, I know you can do it. I don't know if you will. I know you can. And I'm asking you to. Would you heal this lady? Would you bring her back? Don't let her die from this. And she took a worse turn even after that. Her health got worse. I think she wound up having to be on a ventilator. And I would, when I would hear these things after my session of prayer, I just kind of, God, you know, would you please do this? And there was some doubt that it was going to happen because I did not know if God was going to do this or not. I knew he could, or at least I believed he could, whatever you want to put in there. But I didn't know if he was going to because that's ultimately up to him. And this, this lady took a turn for the worse, wound up being in really bad shape. And weeks would go by, and I would ask about her, and she was still here. She still wasn't in good shape, but she was still here. And then I stopped over to see mom one day. And she was standing around the side of her house talking with the neighbor. And I stepped out of the truck and she said, look who came home today. And that lady was sitting on the porch. I don't know what to say. But I tell you something, that did something for me. The odds were completely stacked against her. Really, she shouldn't have made it out. We all know that people in that age bracket have a hard time with COVID right off the bat. And then you add in all these other health issues that the lady has. And I don't know specifics, and, and I don't want to say them uh, if I did know. I mean, I don't want to embarrass her or anything like that. So we all know, really, she probably shouldn't have made it. And it didn't look good. And I had my doubts. But she's home now. 
And so the only conclusions I can draw is that God must have answered my prayer. Now, it, I don't say that to sound arrogant because I wasn't the only one praying for. And I don't think my prayers have any special powers. But I think he was listening because I think he listens all the time. But I think maybe, maybe he answered that prayer. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't claim to be a Bible scholar. I don't claim to know all the ins and outs, but it sure makes a man sit and wonder, you know, makes you kind of scratch your head a little bit. But anyways, I want to publicly thank God for answering that prayer. Thank you, Lord. And I know a lot of you that listen probably aren't holy rollers. <laughs> probably aren't all believers. But I think there's something to this. I'm not going to sit here and beat you over here with the Bible. I don't talk religion every episode because of that. I don't want this to be a focus on the family Bible hour. Not that there's anything wrong with those programs. But that's not what I'm aiming for this one to be. But I just want you to know I think there's something to it. And the only thing I ask is you dig into it. Just find out. See what you think. Check out the scripture. Read it. Be critical of it. Do your research. And see what you think. See what kind of conclusions that you draw. Anyways, I think that's going to do it for me. Got my tea glass here I've been sipping on. You've probably been hearing that in the background. My mama got me a, got me an actual Tupperware tea glass like old Silas Robertson. And man... If I can, if I can suggest anything, I know I've suggested a lot of stuff this evening, but if I can suggest anything, drink tea out of an actual Tupperware cup. It tastes so much better. <laughs> I love you. The good Lord loves you. I'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Hillbilly Broadcast. We hope you like what you heard. If you didn't and you really want to make us mad, go to wherever you listen to the podcast and give us a five-star rating. It will drive me insane with anger. If you did like the show and you want to support it, go to anchor.fm slash Sparks, where you can become a monthly supporter if you so desire. While you're there, you can also send us a voice message and we'll play it on the show. Or if you don't want us to, we won't play it on the show. That's your call. Also, if you want to send us feedback... You can reach us by email at hillbillybroadcast at aol.com. That's right. We're so cool. We still use an AOL address. You can also find the Hillbilly Broadcast on Facebook and connect with us there. And I am on Twitter at Phil Sparks Show. Once again, thank you for listening. We love you. The good Lord loves you. And we'll see you next time.